See, the king of the hill can only go down. That's right. The king of the hill can only go down. There's or no stay up. Or stay on that hill. Right. That's stay the other the possibility. Can stay on the hill. Right. Stay up. But the but the wolf on the hill. Over the hill. But look, the wolf on the hill, right? Is not as hungry as the wolf climbing the hill. That's true. See? He's not as hungry, but not when he wants hungry. the food, it's there. Strategy is defined as a plan of action designed to achieve a particular aim. Finding your winning strategy can happen overnight or can take years to develop. Here on the Strats Podcast, I hang out with athletes, experts, entertainers, and adventurers, some old friends and some new, to hear how they found their edge in a particular field or for a particular event. Expect to hear about motivation, personal struggles and successes, and actionable advice for anyone looking to be better today than they were yesterday. My name is Charles Thorpe. My work has allowed me to share stories from the best and the brightest. Now bring those conversations here. It's like the game of chess. In chess, there are millions of moves to win. The same is in bodybuilding. There are millions of exercises, millions of training principles, millions of ways. So whatever it is, you can sculpt. That was actor and fitness icon Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's time for the Strats Podcast. Arnold, it's an absolute honor to talk to you today. As someone that's motivated so many people to get into the gym, I'm curious to hear what your training looks like today and some of the ways that it's evolved over the years. My current fitness regime is to bicycle every day for around 45 minutes to an hour and to work out with weights a half an hour. And, it, uh, and the training itself has evolved on a need basis, you know, in a bodybuilding, when I was competing, I needed to work out five hours a day. And uh, now I just need to work out to try to maintain as much as I can as you get older, you know. So, so, so it's that the, the training has changed considerably. You know, there were times where I trained five hours a day, then four hours, then three hours, two hours. And now it's kind of like a half an hour of maintenance training every day. But the important thing is that they always have done it regularly. And that working out always was kind of part of my daily routine and just like eating and sleeping and all of that. So it was, it was just part of the routine. It also depended always on what I was training for. I mean, there were times where I was training differently when I was competing in weightlifting, then it was different when I was competing in powerlifting. And then it was different when I needed to lose weight. Uh, I remember for Stay Hungry, but the director wanted me to lose 30 pounds to be down to 210. I first stay hungry. So I went down. So the training then was totally different. So it always really, the great thing about bodybuilding and about weight training is that you can really kind of tailor it to uh, and sculpt your body kind of no matter what the need is. So the need is quite different, you know, because I remember I was doing like, I was winning the Mr. Olympia in 1980. And then John Milius, when uh, he saw my body, he was there when I was competing. He said, you know, you can't look like that in Conan. I want it to be a little bit more round and not as cut because it doesn't look as natural. It looks too much like a bodybuilder, a competitive bodybuilder. And so I changed my, my training then and my diet to be a little bit more round. And then the look that I had in Conan was exactly what he wanted. So it looks more natural. So, you know, so this, it's, it always changes. But good, the good thing is it's like a, the, the game of chess. You know, there are millions of moves in chess, there are millions of moves to win. And um, the same is in bodybuilding. There are millions of moves. 
that you can make millions of exercises, millions of training principles, millions of ways, just like with food supplements and with nutrition. There's many, many ways of going. If you want to gain weight, if you want to lose weight, if you want to sustain, if you want to get more energy, if you want to get, you know, kind of like get rid of your tiredness. And so whatever it is, you can sculpt and uh, make a child. Being somebody that really came from that bodybuilding world, I'm curious to hear how you feel the world of bodybuilding has really changed the way that we train today. Bodybuilding as a whole has been one of the hugest benefits to human development and the body, the physical development, I think, in the last 50 years. You have seen a tremendous amount of benefits. The amount of gymnasiums that have opened up, if you think about, like, in America alone, you know, we have, like, 120,000 or so gymnasiums in America. And these are the official kind of grill gyms, not even the little, uh, you know, kind of dungeons and stuff like that. But there's 120,000, let's say, and there's like 60,000 supermarkets. I think that we have made tremendous progress in the days when I said that in the, in the 70s. I said that my dream is the one they have more gyms than supermarkets. They were all laughing. It has spread. And now it is at a point where bodybuilding and weight training is being done. Basically, there's a gymnasium in every hotel in the world, every YMCA every sports club, every university, every college, every high school, every police station, every fire station, every military base. I mean, everywhere. It has changed so much. So the benefits of bodybuilding have been tremendous in the worldwide for anyone you know, to control their body weight and all that stuff. So, so this is so this is one thing that's a really positive, positive thing. Upswing that has happened and the development of the food supplements uh, combined with that just has been spectacular. There's then the extreme elite bodybuilding category. And this is kind of like when you take skiing. There's the people that the ski on their slopes in the powder and on the mogas and have a great time. So these are the recreational skiers, right? And it has been a lot of fun for those guys to go skiing. But the competitive side of the skiing, you know, the the race, the racing has gotten more and more dangerous and has to be has to, sometimes has been fatal. And the same is also in bodybuilding. And the more competitive the top athletes get, the more, you know, lifting weights that the, the body was not meant for, that they, uh, you know, sometimes drugs that are damaging to their health and that are actually making them so strong that the tendons and the bones were not meant for that weight. But this is only the very, I mean, if you think about all of the people that the bodybuilding, there's maybe a 0.1% of that category. I see you're sipping on something right now. I have to ask, what is that you're drinking? I have a glass of schnapps here with me. And um, the funny thing is about that I was the first one that uh, used schnapps with the protein drinks. I always had protein drinks. But they always try to figure out, okay, how do you get it faster, the protein in the bloodstream and all that stuff? So I said to them, well, maybe I take some Austrian schnapps and pour in a little bit and make the protein schnapps. So that's what I actually do a lot of times when I drink my protein drinks. Or the killer. The killer is also very good. I've had the pleasure of trying some of the supplements and protein you make with Ladder, your company with LeBron James. I'm curious what made it the right product in the right time to get involved with the supplement business? I think that the reason why I got involved with it was and why we developed the company was just 
at the honesty factor. Just kind of like, okay, whatever you put on a label, is that really in there? And so I think that because one of the conversations why I got attracted is because LeBron cannot afford to have anything in, you know, in a protein or in a food supplement that he takes that may have something that is enhancing, some drug of some sort. A lot of companies, as you know, were busted on that. And he cannot afford it because he gets tested and then he's out of the game. Therefore, he wanted to make sure that he develops a food supplement line where it's really in there exactly what it says on the label. That benefited him so he doesn't get busted for something he didn't know about. And also it benefited me because I always liked the idea of whatever it is, tell people what it is. Let's be straightforward. If there's something in there that is enhancing, then they should tell it. But most likely, that's not what you want. You want to have a food supplement that is clean, that is really someone that they can take, so there's no side effects, and it really benefits you. And so I think that whole concept of looking at the quality of the food supplement and really working with the labs, and we have had many, many meetings with the labs and with the, the people that really put this together. We are not the smartest guys in town when it comes to this uh, kind of science. You know, we, uh, we know what we want, but the experts in that, they put those formulas together. And, always, and so we worked with them very closely and they were very helpful. And so I think that separates the whole thing. And I think that it is going to really be around the longest amount of time because people will always come back and there will be a lot of repeat customers. And the word of mouth is the most important thing out there in the marketing. On that topic, it'd be great to hear how you approach your nutrition and your supplementation these days and maybe some of the lessons you've learned over the years. I think that it was always in an organic way for me, part of my life. You know, so even though in the old days, when I was 15 years old, I made protein drinks. The first thing that I bought with the money that I earned in between school when I worked, because my parents would not never buy me anything like that, was a mixer. I remember there was a new product that came out in Austria. I was like 15 years old and had this big fucking mixes. And I would go and I, I would put milk in there and I would put yeast in there and skin milk powder and then I would, and some honey and I would mix this up. It would taste like shit. So by the time I was 15 years old, I already started making protein drinks of what we had available then. But then when later on, as time went on, the food supplement business became one more sophisticated. And so I was always into kind of like, okay, how do we perfect the product? How do we make it better and all this stuff? And so I think that's what led me then eventually, you know, from the Chawita days where we worked in food supplements that were kind of more for the mass and that didn't have quite the quality that, that we always wanted when we were competing to now, you know, the latter product that is uh, uh, for competitive athletes and also for the general public, and everyone can benefit from it. So it's kind of have been food supplements has been always, just as the word says, supplements. You know, it's not kind of like you take this and that's all you need. It is to supplement your regular food, and hopefully you, you eat wisely and you train regularly and all this, and so it's a supplement to help you. I know for someone as busy as you are, there are no normal days, but in an ideal situation... What does your nutrition intake look like? How are you taking in those meals? And when are you eating? You know, there is no regular, really. I'll tell you why. I went to work yesterday at 11 o'clock in the morning. 
I'm doing right now the series, the TV series up here in Toronto called FUBA. I was picked up here at 11, and then I worked to 3 in the morning. As you can see, there's nothing regular. Night before, we worked all night long almost. And so then yeah, I had to kind of get up in the morning, and then I work out quickly, and I then go and get picked up. Then we have to rehearse and study and all that stuff. And then you come home at 3 in the morning, and I just got up like an hour and a half or two hours ago. So there's nothing regular. But in the meantime, you're eating, you're eating less because I have not even had breakfast yet by the time I went to the set. I was on the set at 12 o'clock noon. I, had, I haven't had my breakfast yet. The movie company feeds you. Drop off, let's say, breakfast burrito or some scrambled eggs or something in my trailer, in my motorhome. And then I eat that, and then I go to work, and then the next time what they call lunch, because you started late, is let's say 8 o'clock at night. So then, you know, whatever they have available there, I didn't just eat something of that. So there's really nothing that, like yesterday at midnight, or at 1 in the morning, they started serving pizza. So it's not something that they normally have. But then, of course, I was like so hungry that I grabbed the pizza. So this is what goes on. But I have my little container always with me on the set so that I make my protein drinks in between. I put some fruit juice in there, put the protein powder in there, and then I shake it up, and then I drink that very quickly. So that's something, again, that goes back to my days when I was in community college in Santa Monica. In the early 70s, I was competing. I was training five hours a day. I was working, and then I was going to community college, taking two classes in the morning always. So, you know, I remember in the morning at 9 o'clock, and after working out, I went to college, and then I put out of my school bag in the middle of a plastic container that already had the protein powder in it, and then I poured some water in it, and then I just shook it up and I drank it. So it still did the same thing today. You know, sometimes at home I used the, the big plankton, and the, 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 the mix and stuff like that, and then I just, you know, make the proteins, and a big protein thing, but then I make it for more people than just myself. You have so many great films, so many great performances, but the one that we just came up on an anniversary for, and I think one of the ones that helped you make your mark on that industry is Conan the Barbarian. I'd love to hear a little bit about your training at that time and maybe some anecdotes from that set. I just won the Mr. Olympia for the seventh time in Sydney, Australia at the Opera House. And I remember that I came home and literally two months later, we started shooting Conan. And so Milius, the director, said to me, he says, hey, I want you to be less cut. So way of just in the next two months that you start kind of like getting a little bit rounder and just so it looks, so it looks like there's this muscles in this body you got this from hard work, but not from kind of some organized training or so. So I said, sure. So that's exactly what we did. So in, in, you can have, make the adjustments. And I remember that for each movie, I was listening to the director kind of like, what does he envision? And like I remember on Commando, you know, the guy said to me, the director, John McTernan, that he wants to see muscles. And he wants me to be ripped, to the shirt ripped off and kind of like in the tank top type of thing. And that any move I make with the gun, so it looks like really different. So he loved it that he had like Carl Weathers there who was in fantastic shape. And I was there and I was in really great shape. And so that's what, we, what I did. I sculpted my body in a way so that it is ripped and that I'm muscular but lean. I only weighed like 222 or so for this movie, or 225. But it, it, it looked good, and it looked totally believable, 
and it, it blended in rather than like uh, running around like a bodybuilder. I ran around like special ops guy that is well-trained and very, very well-prepared. And so that was the idea. But each movie was always different. I remember when I then did Conan number two, Richard Fleischer came to me, who was the director, and said to me, I wanted to bulk up. I wanted to be really muscular. And I wanted to be ripped and defined. So I got much more ripped than in Conan one and Conan two. So it's, it really depends on what the director's vision is. And this is the great thing about nutrition and about exercising, that you can make those adjustments and you can really sculpt your body. I mean, you know, these various different protein products that you have, that well, some of them, they will help you bulk up, and some of them will keep you lean, and just keep the muscles refreshed and build the muscle cells and all this. So you can do all this if you know how to do it. Speaking of that Conan movie, you never know what to trust online. I have seen some mentions of a possible follow-up something that would bring you back to playing Conan. Is that a reality? Is that a possibility that we could see something like that in the future? Because I think it would be absolutely epic. But I have read a few mentions of a possible Conan revival that would bring you back into that role much later in the character's life. That sounds absolutely epic. Is there any chance that is actually happening? I don't have the rights to the Conan franchise that belongs to someone else, some Swedish guy that may know or not know what the hell he's doing. So uh, that's why you don't see anything of Conan out there. I mean, he sold the comic book rights, but then he has been talking now for the last four years that he's doing a deal with the Netflix, which no one at Netflix knows about because I'm working for Netflix right now, so I know all these people. And he's talking about all kinds of other things that he's doing with the movies and this and that but we don't see anything. So I think that, that, that the important thing is that he gets his act together and just, you know, makes a commitment so we can move forward because it is one of, you know, of the 40 some movies that I've done. There's certain things that people really want to see again. I think Conan is one of those projects. It's, it's really in demand. And I think it would be good to do a Conan movie that is kind of like unforgiven. You know, the older Conan that has sat there on his throne for 40 years and the very thing that he despised about kings and leaders at that time, he fell into the same trap. He got complacent. He got fat. He was eating. He was enjoying all the women around. And he is now, uh, you know, an older guy that can do fucking nothing. And now he has to go. He feels like this life is slipping away. He has to get his act back together again. And it's just a comeback, kind of like a, a reluctant comeback where he's being forced into it. So it's, there's a great story. And Emilius wrote a fantastic script about the comeback. About the comeback. come back. <laughs>